Beloved, our call to worship this morning is from Isaiah 54, verses 4 through 8. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded. For thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shall not remember the reproach of thy widowhood any more. For thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The God of the whole earth shall he be called. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth, when thou wast refused, saith thy God. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, But with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. Continue reading in the Word of God this morning from the book of Ruth. We'll read chapter 3 through chapter 4, verse 8. So 3, verse 1. And Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee? that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore and anoint thee and put thy raiment upon thee and get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit, there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning. That if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth. Lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning. And she rose up before one could know another, and he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Also he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley, and laid it on her, and she went into the city, When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. 
And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there, and behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a a parcel of land which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi? Thou must buy it also of Ruth, the Moabites, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing or exchanging, for to confirm all things. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. May God bless the reading of his holy and precious word to our hearts this morning. Our text this morning is from Ruth chapter 4. We'll consider verses 1 through 8 this morning. I'll not read those again as we will move through them this morning. The French philosopher Blaise Pascal speaks of the frantic activity of mankind and his pursuit of rest in the passing things of this world. He comments in his pensée, I have discovered that all the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact, that they cannot sit quietly in a room. We could take that one step further and apply it to the life of faith. We have discovered that all the misery of man arises from one single fact, that they cannot rest quietly in Christ. Do you remember where we left Ruth the last time? Naomi's words ringing in her mind and echoing in her heart, sit still, my daughter, 
until thou knowest how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Naomi's counsel to Ruth. In essence, Naomi is saying this, your happiness, Ruth, lies in sitting still, being at rest, knowing that Boaz is at work on your behalf, that he will secure redemption, that he will redeem you. Counsel to Ruth and a statement of faith from the lips of Naomi, from the heart of Naomi, one who struggled with with the bitter providence of God. One who struggled with the severe mercy of God is now telling her daughter-in-law to sit still. Can she? Can Ruth sit still? And the anxiety, and the questions, and the fears, will Boaz come through? Will he be true to his word? Will it be Boaz or will it be the nearer kinsman? Will the nearer kinsman be the spoiler of the story? Beloved, can you sit still this morning? Have you sat still this past week? Or were there questions? Will Christ come through? Will he be my redeemer for one such as I am? Was there fear? Was there doubt? Was there activity? Saying, I need to present myself to Christ. I need to be worthy. Can you rest this morning knowing that in Christ... Your redemption is found. That the price has been paid for your sin. That you can cease from all of your activity. That though you cannot see him now, that you are convinced that he is at work for you. That his is one of ceaseless activity at the right hand of God the Father to strengthen you, to comfort you, to commune with you this morning. Sit still, because he will not rest. This morning, we're taken to the next scene in the book of Ruth, where this redemption is secured, where Boaz is the main actor, the main character, bringing us to the climax of the book of Ruth, where the narrative is resolved for both Naomi and Ruth, where Boaz is indeed at work, not just for Naomi, but also for Ruth. Our theme this morning, then, is securing the right of redemption. Securing the right of redemption. First of all, with the counsel of wisdom and witness. After Ruth goes home with this tremendous amount of barley from the hand of Boaz, 
The assurance is that Boaz would accomplish redemption for her one way or another, either by himself or this nearer kinsman. Boaz does indeed go to work. He goes to the gate of the city where wisdom is found, where transactions are made in public, where the public can witness the goings-on regarding the life of Israel. Verse 1, we read, Then Boaz went up to the gate and sat him down there. If the word lie down or laying down was the operative verb in chapter 3, then the word sitting, the verb sitting down is the operative verb in chapter 4, at least in these opening verses. As Naomi tells Ruth to sit still, we find Boaz sitting down in the gate of wisdom, in the gate of witness. where transactions and redemption would take place. And as he sits down, we read this, And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, this nearer kinsman, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. Here is the one to whom we were introduced on the threshing floor. The letdown. There's a nearer kinsman than I, Boaz said, who holds the right of redemption. Such a one. Ruth, uh, Boaz calls him such a one. In today's language, we would say, Mr. So-and-so. Hey, Mr. So-and-so, come and sit down here. I have some business with you. He remains nameless. Someone who had the capacity to do something on behalf of Naomi and Ruth, but does not do it, and so remains nameless. We know that the story is not about Mr. So-and-so, is it? The story is about one Redeemer, and one Redeemer only, and it's Boaz. It's about Boaz who will, at the end of this story, hold the exclusive right of redemption for for Naomi and Ruth together, both Jew and Gentile, and he will redeem them willingly at great cost to himself. And then Boaz continues, tirelessly advocating for Naomi and Ruth, he calls together not just Mr. So-and-so, but ten elders of of the city. Verse 2, he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit ye down here, and they sat down. We get the sense from all this sitting down that maybe the situation won't be resolved until the end of the day. It's going to take a long time if everyone's sitting down. But all this sitting down means business. This was no casual breakfast or coffee meeting at corporate headquarters. This was the business of redemption that was going to be concluded at the end of the day, sitting down to discuss the most important of subjects, redemption. We can call this the council of redemption that Boaz calls for. In redeeming Naomi and Ruth. There are several things to note here. 
First of all, it speaks to the place that Naomi and Ruth have found in Bethlehem, where the redemption is now being discussed in the gate of the city, the most prominent place where the elders come, where wisdom is deposited and discussed and deliberated. These two women who entered into the gates of Bethlehem without anything, who were empty. The redemption is being discussed now. A place for them in in the nation of Israel, in the life of Israel. Reversal of fortunes indeed. Secondly, it speaks to Boaz's standing in the community that he sat in the gate and called together the ten men and Mr. So-and-so with such authority to set in motion the redemption for Naomi and Ruth. It speaks to the truth of Boaz's assurances that he would do this work of redemption, that he would see to it, undergirded by the oath that he spoke as the Lord liveth in chapter 3. It speaks to his commitments to provide for these two widows. He will see, through, see it through to the end. We see how he's concerned about the integrity of the process. He calls together the men who hold this collective wisdom and will serve as witnesses in this public forum. That redemption will not be concluded in a corner. It will not be done in an underhanded way. It will be done so everyone can see that Boaz is the exclusive redeemer. There is only one redeemer. Displays his own integrity. He's up front with everything. Even though he wants that right of redemption, he's doing everything openly and publicly and honestly. And isn't this a reflection of the greater Boaz this morning as he is concerned for our redemption? Not just initially. Because we've seen that Ruth has already found a place under the wings of the Almighty. She's already confessed who God is for her in Ruth chapter 1, 15 through 18. This is the full redemption of Ruth. So Christ is concerned about the full redemption of his people. Not just of an entrance into the kingdom, but of a place and a thriving and a growing in his kingdom. He's engaged in the work of redemption. He took counsel with the Father in eternity, the fount of all wisdom. He accomplished the work of redemption on the cross. He committed himself to accomplish it till the end. It's upon finishing that work of redemption on the cross that we read in Hebrews 1.3 when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He too sat down. Not in order to accomplish redemption, but because redemption was accomplished. His work is finished as he cried out on the cross in John 19 verse 30. It is finished. But he comes again this morning. He invites us to sit down with Him as He sits down with us to commune with us, to strengthen us in this work of redemption, to continue that work of redemption until that redemption is fully and finally complete. What we have here is a down payment of that which is to come, a down payment of that price that He's paid on the cross. He comes and He sits down with us. 
invites us to sit down with him to remind us of the realities of the redemption that he has accomplished and continues to apply in the daily lives of his children. In Boaz's actions, we have the heart and the hand of Christ reflected in this great work of redemption. His redemption, like Boaz was doing here, was done publicly, openly, so that all might see and all might profit. Remember what the Apostle Paul said as he stood before King Agrippa. He said that the work of Christ was not done in a corner, but it was done publicly so that all might see and witness what was done, so that all might be rendered without excuse. But also speaking to the integrity of the process of redemption. It wasn't done in a corner. It wasn't done in hiding. It was done to proclaim to us that there is one Redeemer. There is only one name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. The name Jesus Christ. That's who it is that stands before us in this narrative. That emerges from the pages of ancient history. To remind us that there is one Redeemer even today for sinners to feed, to nourish. One who is at work to secure our redemption when we are in Him that is secure. He will bring us to the fullness of it. And so He secures that redemption with the counsel of wisdom and witness. He secures it with the choice of redemption or rejection. Boaz speaks to Mr. So-and-so in the council of 10 in verse 3. He said unto the kinsman Naomi that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. Boaz pitches the proposal for redemption of Naomi and Elimelech's land. Notice how he phrases it here. Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab. A grim reminder of where Naomi had been. She had been in the country of Moab. She was now a widow. Elimelech was left in that country. All her hope, in a sense, was left in that country. And yet, we see the Lord's provision in that there was land belonging to Elimelech that still belonged to Naomi. But it was useless to a widow because she could not use it in her widowhood, in her poverty, in her destitution. She needed someone to come and to buy that land so that she could live off of the proceeds of that sale of redemption. So this is an indication of the Lord's provision for the widow. Boaz notifies the nearer kinsman Offers it to him to buy and redeem. And so this is a win-win for Mr. So-and-so, isn't it? He could buy the land. Naomi would live off the proceeds. And Mr. So-and-so could pass on that land to his descendants. He could grow his wealth for his own children. It's an enticing business proposal. 
He would do the good deed of caring for Naomi and he would receive the land. That's a pretty good deal. And Boaz continues, If thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know thee, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. We get the sense here that Boaz is himself keen to buy that land and he does not hold back his desire. I'm after you. I want this land as well. If not, if Mr. So-and-so will not do it, then he should move over and Boaz will come in and, and take it and buy it and redeem it for Naomi. Boaz is working hard to earn the right and secure the right of redemption for Naomi and Ruth, but it, it seems that it will all fail. And Mr. So-and-so will buy and redeem the land for Naomi because he says at the end of verse 4, I will redeem it. Everything's lost now, isn't it? Naomi's time in the land of Moab has come full circle. She's left everything there. And now this near kinsman is going to buy the land and she's going to be left without an heir, without someone to take on a family name. It's just a land business deal that makes her the object of charity and transfers the land to Mr. So-and-so and his descendants. The bitter fruits of Moab, no heir, no full redemption. Without the rest of the story, one might question is the entire history of redemption in jeopardy in this one statement from this nearer kinsman when he says, I will redeem it. If Ruth was listening, would she be able to sit still? Would she be able to rest in Boaz and his character and what he was doing here in the city gates? Can we sit still? Can we rest in the God of providence as he unfolds for us his redemption? Maybe your heart's in turmoil this morning. You've reaped the bitter fruits of life in Moab. You think there's no hope. You've nothing to show for that life. You think that your last hope of redemption is over because Christ, the greater Boaz, is is in jeopardy this morning. You're listening to that voice that says you're just the object of charity. Your redemption is not full. You, you can have a, a good life, but that's, that's about it. It was all a mirage returning to Bethlehem. What, what was I thinking? And thinking that I could come to Christ and receive life at his hand. Maybe you, should, you think you should have stayed in Moab. At least that was certain. At least you knew the people there. At least you could count on a life in Moab. But abandoning yourself into the hand of Boaz, into the hand of the greater Boaz, that's a risk too great, a step too far. It's just too risky this morning, isn't it? To actually sit still in the hand of the greater Boaz especially with these words of the nearer kinsman ringing throughout the narrative, I will redeem it. But remember Naomi's words to Ruth, God's word to you this morning, beloved. 
Sit still until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. The story is not done yet. Redemption is in the hands of Boaz and in the the far greater hands of Christ. You need not be alarmed with these words and with the thoughts and the, the fears and the anxieties that have multiplied in the past weeks. Christ will not fail. He is the sole and exclusive redeemer of his elect. He will, he has secured the right of redemption. And will bring it to its full fruition, to its full flower, if you will, and its fruit. And so we need to see what plays out next in the narrative. Because Boaz secures the right of redemption with the catch of the field and or the foreigner. Mr. So-and-so says, I will redeem it. He stands to profit handsomely. But then Boaz says, in verse 5, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must also buy it of Ruth the Moabites, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. Just when all seems lost, Boaz steps in and introduces this catch, the Moabites. If you're going to buy it from Naomi, you have to buy it from Ruth as well, this Moabites. It's a catch, it's a challenge to this nearer kinsman. You have to redeem both the field and the foreigner. You can't just have the field without the foreigner. It's a package deal, nearer kinsman, Mr. So-and-so. Naomi's returned from Moab as a widow, but so has Ruth. And as a kinsman redeemer, you now have an obligation towards Ruth as well. Ruth is of a marriageable age. She is of childbearing age and capacity. So the right of redemption includes marrying Ruth and raising up an heir upon the inheritance for Naomi and Elimelech so that the name of Elimelech can continue upon the land. We look at that as Boaz introduces this catch. We would say in modern language, well played, Boaz, well played. Securing the right of redemption. Here's the field of Elimelech from Naomi, the widow. I'll buy that. Oh, but when you buy that, you also have to buy it from Ruth and you have to marry her. Boaz was, Boaz knew what he was doing, don't you think? He knew the entire situation of destitute Naomi and Ruth. Notice how he refers to Ruth. That must also buy it of Ruth, the Moabites. She's a Gentile. He wants the field, but will he take the foreign widow too? Can he take the widow as well as the field? We don't know the reasons why the near kinsman ended up refusing to marry Ruth. It could be because she was a Gentile. It could be that he was already married and had children of his own. The text is silent. And it's not the point for us to know why he refused. The point is that Boaz is emerging here as the only redeemer 
that could do for Naomi and Ruth what they needed. To provide for them and to provide life in the midst of death. Boaz is in firm control of these negotiations for the exclusive right of redemption. He'll not settle for anything less than to be the sole redeemer of Naomi and Ruth. He's concerned about raising up an heir through her to redeem the entire inheritance for them. This is a unique situation. With this foreigner added into the negotiations. But it's a beautiful intervention we see here on the part of Boaz. The fact that Boaz asks the nearer kinsman to redeem Ruth and raise up an heir speaks of life. It speaks of life. By Boaz securing the right of redemption, he would also secure life for Naomi and Ruth. Life for you and me. So that the line of Boaz could continue to end at least in the book of Ruth, in the line of David. The line of David would end in the line, in in the birth of Jesus Christ, the great Redeemer. The fact that Boaz asks the nearer kinsman to redeem Ruth and raise up an heir speaks of life. Life that the nameless one could not give for whatever reason. Life that only Boaz could provide. That's the point of the entire history of redemption as we see it unfolding here. The greater Boaz did not have to negotiate for his own. He was given them by the Father. The right was his as the eternal Son of God to redeem you and me, believer. No negotiations. No negotiations with the Father. No negotiations with Satan, even as some would teach in the ransom theory of the atonement. No. His was the sole right of redemption, and he would win redemption by winning the battle over sin, over hell, over death, over Satan on the cross, spoiling principalities and powers, making, them, making a show of them openly in the cross. Jesus has owned you solidly from eternity. We heard of that several weeks ago. The double-handed grip of the Father and the Son. The right of redemption is Christ's. It's in this that Boaz reflects the great Redeemer, Jesus Christ. The narrative to this point has been pushing towards this, this one theme. One Redeemer. One Redeemer that will provide life for Naomi and Ruth after death in Moab. Isn't that true of Christ as well? The only one who can provide life after death in the Moab of this world. And so we bid you come again this morning to Bethlehem, to the house of bread, to be filled. Because he has secured your redemption by his own blood, a costly price. That's the message of communion as well, isn't it? 
That when we come to communion, we confess that our life is hid with Christ in God. He is the only one who can give us the life that we need. We've tried other redeemers and found them wanting. Maybe you thought your spouse was your redeemer or your children could redeem you or your work could redeem you or some, some other thing that could redeem you and provide meaning for your life. No. It is in Christ. Christ alone is the sole redeemer who gives life. And notice that he's not ashamed to redeem Ruth's. Boaz says, the day you buy it of Naomi, you also have to buy it of Ruth and marry her. Marry a Gentile woman. That was a step too far for Mr. So-and-so, but not for Boaz. He willingly does it. He's not ashamed to take Ruth, this Moabitess, and to include her in the line of his progeny. Why do you think that is? Because Boaz himself knew what it was to be born of a Gentile mother of Rahab. So what do we see here in this picture of redemption that Boaz executes here? We have Naomi, the Israelite, the Jew. And we have Ruth, the Moabitess, the Gentile. And Boaz brings them together in one. Another picture of what Christ does this morning around the communion table. Jew and Gentile, bond and free, rich or poor, man or woman. Dutch, American, Chinese, whatever nationality or country or tongue or tribe. He brings them all one in his work of redemption. Because he is the sole redeemer that gives life to the dead. We'll now read the second part of the form for the administration of the Lord's Supper. Page 137 in the back of the Psalter. Let us now also consider to what end the Lord has instituted his supper, namely, that we do it in remembrance of him. Now, after this manner are we to remember him by it. First, that we are confidently persuaded in our hearts that our Lord Jesus Christ, according to the promises made to our forefathers in the Old Testament, was sent of the Father into the world, that he assumed our flesh and blood, that he bore for us the wrath of God, under which we should have perished everlastingly. From the beginning of his incarnation to the end of his life upon earth, that he hath fulfilled for us all obedience to the divine law and righteousness, especially when the weight of our sins and the wrath of God pressed out of him the bloody sweat in the garden, where he was bound that we might be freed from our sins, that he afterwards suffered innumerable reproaches that we might never be confounded, that he was innocently condemned to death, that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God. Yea, that he suffered his blessed body to be nailed on the cross, that he might fix thereon the handwriting of our sins, and hath also taken upon himself the curse due to us, that he might fill us with his blessings, and has humbled himself unto the deepest reproach and pains of hell, both in body and soul on the tree of the cross, when he cried out with a loud voice, 
My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That we might be accepted of God and never be forsaken of him. And finally, confirmed with his death and shedding of his blood, the new and eternal testament, that covenant of grace and reconciliation when he said, it is finished. Secondly, and that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ in his last supper took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In like manner also after supper he took the cup, gave thanks, and said, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. That is, as often as ye eat of this bread and drink of this cup, ye shall thereby, as by a sure remembrance and pledge, be admonished and assured of this my hearty love and faithfulness towards you, that whereas ye should otherwise have suffered eternal death, I have given my body to the death of the cross and shed my blood for you. And I certainly feed and nourish your hungry and thirsty souls with my crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life. As this bread is broken before your eyes and this cup is given to you, and you eat and drink the same with your mouth in remembrance of me. From this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, we see that he directs our faith and trust to his perfect sacrifice, once offered on the cross, as to the only ground and foundation of our salvation, wherein he has become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true meat and drink of life eternal. For by his death he has taken away the cause of our eternal death and misery, namely sin, and obtained for us the quickening spirit, that we, by the same who dwelleth in Christ as in the head and in us as his members, might have true communion with him and be made partakers of all his blessings, of life eternal, righteousness, and glory. Besides, that we, by this same spirit, may also be united as members of one body in true brotherly love, As the holy apostle says, for we being many are one bread in one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. For as as out of many grains one meal is ground and one bread baked, and out of many berries being pressed together, one wine floweth and mixeth itself together, so shall we all, who by a true faith are engrafted into Christ, the altogether one body, through brotherly love, for Christ's sake, our beloved Savior who has so exceedingly loved us, and not only show this in word, but also in very deed towards one another. Here to assist us, the Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit. Amen. That we may obtain all this, let us humble ourselves before God, and with true faith implore his grace. O most merciful God and Father, We beseech thee that thou wilt be pleased in this supper in which we celebrate the glorious remembrance of the bitter death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, that we may daily more and more with true confidence give ourselves up unto thy Son, Jesus Christ, that our afflicted and contrite hearts, through the power of the Holy Ghost, may be fed and comforted with his true body and blood, yea, with him, true God and man that only heavenly bread, that we may no longer live in our sins, but he in us and we in him, and thus truly be made partakers of the new and everlasting covenant of grace, that we may not doubt, 
for thou wilt forever be our gracious Father, nevermore imputing our sins unto us and providing us with all things necessary as well for the body as the soul. As thy beloved children and heirs, grant us also thy grace that we may take up our cross cheerfully, deny ourselves, confess our Savior, and in all tribulations with uplifted heads expect our Lord Jesus Christ from heaven where he will make our mortal bodies like unto his most glorious body and take us unto him in eternity. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Strengthen us also by this holy supper in the Catholic undoubted Christian faith, whereof we make confession with our mouths and hearts, saying, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That we may be now fed with the true heavenly bread, Christ Jesus. Let us not cleave with our hearts unto the external bread and wine, but lift them up on high in heaven where Christ Jesus is our advocate at the right hand of his heavenly Father. Whither all the articles of our faith lead us, not doubting, but we shall as certainly be fed and refreshed in our souls through the working of the Holy Ghost with his body and blood as we receive the holy bread and wine in remembrance of him. Beloved, the table of the greater Boaz is ready and he calls us to come and to sit still and to rest in his redemption. We ask that we give opportunity to the elderly first to come and remember the Lord's death till he come. O greater Boaz, how blessed we are to be able to sit still this morning and to know that thou art at work. Let us take Moabites, Gentiles, sinners, those who have been in the land of Moab, to give them thy fullness, to send them home with staggering amounts of blessing and fullness. Lord, we beseech of thee to give us that this morning. Not just fullness in good things, but the fullness of who thou art. For we will be satisfied with nothing less but for thee. So come, that we might taste and see that thou art good. 
that our redemption is indeed secured in the greater Boaz. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Christ himself says, take, eat, and do this in remembrance of me. The last time we saw that Boaz fed Ruth with his own hand, she came He bid her come with her veil, and he filled her with six measures of barley, far more than what she went home with the first time. A token of his kindness. And so Christ feeds us this morning himself with his own presence. Assuring us that our redemption is secure, not in ourselves. Self is no foundation for redemption, only Christ. Christ says, take, eat, and do this in remembrance of me. cup of blessing which we bless and for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. To sit still means to abandon ourselves, to forget ourselves, to focus on Christ and his work of redemption accomplished on the cross ongoing in all its glorious realities in our lives when he gave the cup Christ said take drink and do this in remembrance of me well this sitting still is risky isn't it because we always want to do something. We always want to participate somehow in the work of redemption, but it's entirely outside of our hands. It's risky business, but it's worth the risk because the securing of redemption comes with the commitment of transfer and tradition. Listen to the words of the nearer kinsman in verse 6. I cannot redeem it for myself lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right for thyself, for I cannot redeem it. This is where the transfer takes place. From the nearer kinsman, Mr. So-and-so, to Boaz. For reasons known only to him and Boaz, the nearer kinsman cannot redeem his inheritance. Whether he's already married, whether he has children and doesn't want to mar the inheritance that he wants to give to them, He gives up his right of redemption. So there's only one redeemer, and that's Boaz. 
the exclusive right of redemption is now transferred to Boaz. Necessitated, whether it's the selfish interests of Mr. So-and-so or whether he just could not because of circumstances of his own life. But again, the point is that Boaz now stands as the sole redeemer of Naomi and Ruth. The near kinsman couldn't redeem it because he was going to mar his own inheritance. It would be too costly for him to redeem Naomi and Ruth. Maybe he didn't want to marry a Moabite. Maybe he didn't want to be associated with that. The proposition of the field was a good one and would be advantageous. But the Moabite has certainly complicated things. But now Boaz stands as the sole redeemer. And through him we see Christ, don't we? The sole redeemer of his own. That's where we focus this morning. The sole redeemer of his own. No other one will do. And so these are happy words. I cannot redeem it. Take thou my right and buy it for yourself. Words of hope. Words of life. That our redemption, our salvation is not tied to anyone or anything else in this world. But only to Christ, secure there in this transfer of the right of redemption. That's where our hope is found. That's where life is found this morning. That's where joy is found because nothing can satisfy us like Christ. And Christ, as we said before, is not afraid to take Moabites. He's not afraid to take those who have dwelt in the world and give them life for death. And that's what he reminds us of here this morning. And so keep your gaze on the greater Boaz, who has secured the right of redemption. It's his now. It's entirely in his hands and no one else's. The right of redemption is Christ's. And he bids you come And sit still in that redemption that is solely his and no other. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. When he gave the bread, the Lord Jesus said, take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. The cup of blessing which we bless and for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. The Lord said, take, drink, do this in remembrance of me. This blood was given for the remission of all your sins. This transfer of redemption was necessary. But Mr. So-and-so suggests it to Boaz. He tells Boaz, redeem thou my right for thyself. He gives it up. Boaz gets the green light to redeem Naomi and Ruth and marry Ruth and provide the life that these two women so desperately needed as they come to Bethlehem. Boaz will not disappoint 
Neither will the greater Boaz. He delights to take up his right of redemption and to exercise it on behalf of sinners. He comes as the sole redeemer, as the only redeemer for your soul. He bids you leave all other hopes of redemption behind this morning. Abandon all those hopes and cast your anchor of hope in Christ. That anchor of hope is not just one of, I hope so, in terms of maybe. When the Bible speaks of hope, it speaks of certainty. That which we cannot see, we anchor our hope in. We cannot see Christ. Ruth could not see Boaz at this point. And yet, she was encouraged and commanded to sit still until she knew how the matter would fall. So too this morning, we can't see Christ. We can certainly apprehend him in the promises of the gospel. Have our hearts and minds lifted up into heavenly places this morning. Though we can't see him yet, this table, we sit still. And we think, and we meditate, and we take hold of our beloved Boaz. Are you taking hold of him? Are you sitting still? Though you cannot see him, know that he delights to take up his right of redemption for you. And he will bring to full redemption This table is just a a stop, a rest area on the road to heaven, a reminder that the greater Boaz is at work redeeming, and he will finish it. Even as he's finished his work on the cross, he will finish his work in you. Another table is open for those who have anchored their hope In Christ alone, if there are no others who need this sole redeemer, then we will close this table. We will not open another. I want to close this table with a warning. If you do not profess Christ as your sole redeemer, you're trading him in for something of far less value, something that will not redeem, something that will ultimately only bring death. Let's pray first. Father in heaven, we come before thee thankful that thou hast given thy son the full right of redemption. One he did not earn, one he did not negotiate for, one that he had simply as the son. Thank thee that he came to delight to exercise that right of redemption. He said in thy word, I delight to do thy will, O my God. That he was willing as a servant to lower himself, to humble himself, 
pay the price of redemption, to redeem us, to set us free. We who are unworthy, we who are Moabites, we who have spent all our spiritual and moral capital in Moab, we come. We come to thee, the greater Boaz. We come to the house of bread. We come now, Lord, to test the limits of thy generosity, knowing that there are no limits. And so come, feed us now and feed us continually from this place forward that we would go from strength to strength until we will see thee face to face at the marriage supper of the Lamb, at that marriage between us and our greater Boaz fully and finally consummated in glory. Lord, we pray, hear us for the sake of thy well-beloved Son in whom thou art well-pleased and in him thou art well-pleased in us. For Jesus' sake, amen. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. As we break the bread, it reminds us of the great redemption cost that Christ gave his own body to redeem us, to bring us to Bethlehem. Because you remember that's what brought Naomi there in the first place. She had heard the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. We are not to judge generosity of Boaz or of Christ by the borders of his field, but by his heart for sinners. Take, eat, and do this in remembrance of me, Christ said. The cup of blessing which we bless and for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take and drink and do this in remembrance of the blood shed for the remission of all your sins. This transfer of redemption is symbolized in the traditions of Israel. The taking off of the sandal and giving it to the one to whom the right of redemption belonged. The symbol, in a sense, is an assurance for us that Christ, or rather Boaz, holds the right of redemption. Just like the Lord's Supper symbolically reminds us that the right of redemption is Christ's, one that he's exercised. We read about that in verse 7. This was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing for to confirm all things. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor 
and this was a testimony, an is, a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. Mr. So-and-so takes off his sandal and gives it to Boaz, symbolized the transfer of redemption. This is not the same as that of in Deuteronomy 25.9 where the widow would spit on the man who refused to redeem his brother's inheritance and raise up a seed for his inheritance. This is simply a symbol of the transfer of the right of redemption from Mr. So-and-so to Boaz. Pointing us again to Boaz as the sole redeemer, but pointing us also to the confirmation that redemption is now secure. We don't have to have any doubts. Ruth would see that sandal in which she would know that her redemption was secure. Naomi would see that sandal and she would know that her redemption was secure. And just like that, we see the bread and the wine. And we need to understand that through these elements, our redemption is secure, not in anything in ourselves, but only in the broken body and the shed blood of Christ. And upon first glance, there's not much fodder here for devotional material. How can we get something devotional out of a sandal? Especially in the Middle East, it's not something very appetizing. Well, we see that it has everything to do with the Lord's Supper. The key word in the text here is confirm. Let our minds and hearts go there this morning. Key verbs picked up from this morning's message. Sit down for the business of redemption. Then in the following verses, the word redeem is spoken again and again and again and again. Redemption is central to what's happening here. And then this last word, confirm. Confirm. Christ is the exclusive redeemer. He confirms that for us this morning. He comes so low, he feeds our senses. We see the wine and the bread. We smell it, we taste it, we handle it. To confirm that Christ is our Redeemer and no other. So as we close this table, I want to ask you this question. Is he not worth living for? Amen. May God bless his word and our communion with him. We'll now conclude the form for the Lord's Supper. Beloved in the Lord, since the Lord has now fed our souls at this table, let us therefore jointly praise his holy name with thanksgiving. And everyone say in his heart thus, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Who hath not spared his own son, but delivered him up for us all, and given us all things with him. Therefore God commendeth therewith his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us.
Much more than being now justified in his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we are reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Therefore, shall my mouth and heart show forth the praise of the Lord from this time forth forevermore. Amen. Let us give thanks and pray. Almighty, merciful God and Father, we render thee most humble and hearty thanks that thou hast of thy infinite mercy given us thine only begotten Son for a mediator and a sacrifice for our sins to be our meat and drink unto life eternal and that thou givest us lively faith whereby we are made partakers of such great benefits. Thou hast also been pleased that thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, should institute and ordain his holy supper for the confirmation of the same. Grant, we beseech thee, O faithful God and Father, that through the operation of thy Holy Spirit, the commemoration of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ may tend to the daily increase of our faith and saving fellowship with him through Jesus Christ, thy Son. And Lord, we do pray that thou wilt continue to help us to, to sit still at thy feet, to be assured that thy redemption is secure and complete in Christ alone, the greater Boaz that our anchor would be firm in him, and that as we sit still, we would also learn what it means to live for thee with our hands and with our feet, to sit still with our hearts, to be reminded again and again, again where our fruit is found, and then to go forth and bear much fruit for thy glory, for that is thy will for us, our sanctification. And so, Lord, we, we thank thee that not only our justification, but also our sanctification is secure in Thee, in glorification. And so, Lord, we pray that Thou wilt continue to feed and nourish us along the way until we will see Thee as Thou art. Hear us now, we pray, in the forgiveness of all our sins, for Jesus' sake alone. Amen.